0: the Oilers in a post-Gilbert era. AMK is a smart guy and a deadly serious Oilers fan. He reflects on their 2012 lineup and sketches out the team's future. 1st on trading away Tom Gilbert for Nick Schultz. So there seems to be a mostly negative
1: evaluation of Tambolini and friends on the deadline day trade that happened like a car crash in the middle of nowhere. At this point I have not studied Schultz's game enough to offer our particularly intelligent opinion of him, But overall, I agree with most of the comments infiltrating the blogosphere and that this trade seems to be a loss for Edmonton. That being said, I don't hate it. The trade can be considered a loss for various reasons. On the surface, Gilbert is one of the Oilers' top point-producing defensemen, and even though I wouldn't label him as an offensive defenseman as many others do, he definitely has offensive ability. Offensive ability on a team whose defense severely lacks such a thing. Minus one on the trade here. Gilbert has averaged more ice time than anyone else in the squad in the past several years, meaning that he can be counted on to log a lot of minutes. He has logged these minutes sporting a much better plus minus than the overall team, and he usually faces tough competition. His own starts are not dominant in either way. Schultz, on the other hand, does not log as many minutes as Gilbert, but he does log over 20. I haven't seen anyone mention this yet, but perhaps if Schultz were on the Oilers over the past few years and Gilbert was on the Wild, their minutes would be reversed. Furthermore, there is a difference between eating up a lot of minutes and being effective and eating up a lot of minutes and screwing up. Normally, you'd think that if you eat up a lot of minutes, you are entrusted to do so, meaning you don't make a lot of mistakes. This is the Oilers you are talking about, though, and part of the reason Gilbert has been a minutes eater has been because they don't really have anyone else. That being said, Gilbert is effective in almost every situation and is dependable. Schultz is counted on for even strength and penalty kill Millets and is similarly dependable in all the situations in which he's asked to play. On the surface, this looks like an immediate loss. Two guys not prone to errors who give you what you want in the situations they are asked to play, except one can play on the power play and add points.
0: A digression on power play defensemen.
1: I would argue that Gilbert is the fourth best uh, power play defender on the Oilers at this point, behind Whitney, Potter, and Petrie. Actually, I like Potter better on the first unit at this point. He seems to be a bit cl- quicker with the pass and less prone to letting the puck hop over a stick and generally better at keeping the puck in. But neither are ideal guys if there is a breakout by the other team's PK. He also seems to have some chemistry with r Whitney isn't mobile, and Potter is terrible at defending 2-1-1 rushes. That being said. I still don't think Gilbert is needed for the power play on this team right now, seeing as they only run one defender usually on it. Even with injuries, I see the Oilers either adding a number 5 guy or a top pairing guy before next season who can play on the power play. So even though Gilbert can be used on the power play, he doesn't need to be, and it's not a better option than we already have. Redundancy is the issue here.
0: So why would we want to add Schultz instead of Gilbert.
1: Well, it has to do with the direction management wants the D to go in. I half liked this decision because I think the Oilers are too soft on D right now. Gilbert is good positionally and is a good defender, but I don't think he is particularly scary or tough to play against. I think only Schmid is tough and good positionally, Sutton uh, just tough. And from what I hear about Schultz, his defensive positioning is even more sound than Gilbert's, and he is harder to play against. He has sound positioning with his angles in the defensive zone, and he is more likely to rough you up a bit if you cross him. How it affects the rest of the team. I half don't like this decision because I'm worried that a tougher D means they are not as concerned about now adding a tough top six left winger. I don't think Pejervi cuts it right now. He might later, but he doesn't now. Ideally, we add a tough first line left winger via free agency, but I can't see how they would manage this. Or we draft Forsberg and hope he's tough and is skilled enough to play on the top line. Penner again? Uh, He must be cheap right now. He's playing terribly fairly. I will grudgingly accept another year where no one quite fits the bill, but by 2013's camp, we need someone ready to step into this position and fly with it. The other thing that I can see happening is drafting Grig as a second-line center and trading Gagne and a couple of prospects that aren't looking like great fits, plus Peck and Mandora pick, in exchange for a number one left winger. This is probably the most plausible option and the most immediately effective one, which hurts me to write because I like Gagne. Ideally, though, he puts on a good show for the last 20 games, enough to have high value and it's a charade of talent, so the oil get top dollar for him. What I think the defensive move boils down to, as has been mentioned, is a huge vote of confidence for Petrie and a prayer that Whitney regains form. I like part one, but I'm pessimistic with part two. Ideally, I am wrong and Whitney regains form and Petrie is what he looks like. If Petrie keeps improving and Whitney comes back, the real Whitney, or what used to be the real Whitney, we could have a decent top pairing with a really good shutdown pairing in Speed and Schultz. Or we could have Petrie Speed, Whitney Schultz if Whitney is at 100%, which is a more likely conclusion in my opinion. Not terrible, but not great, and certainly not elite. It would be nice if the oil pick up a top pairing defensive, get rid of Whitney again, I am pessimistic, and either pick up a young up and coming defenseman as guy number five, or pray that Fidian recovers 100% and turns out quickly. I like Fadoon more for next year than any other prospect stepping in at this point, even with his injury. Sudden Potter can be 6-7. If you're counting on Fadoon as number 5, instead of a first call-up, though, any injuries come to our top 5, and we are screwed. Give me a young Leafs defenseman, please. They have like plenty still, even with Ollie gone. Has a ship sailed on Sun.
0: What should happen in the next 6 months?
1: Ideally, in my head, some variation of this. Draft Grigorenko at number two overall and stop winning games already, goddammit. Or win the lottery, grab Yakupov as our number one left wing. It'll mean Gagne is 2C, Horkov 3C, and Belanger 4C, or Lander 3C and Horkov 4C. And although all these people can probably handle those assignments, injuries equals we're screwed because no one can move up in the depth chart effectively, and not only that, I don't think those players will excel in higher positions as much as if they were dropped down a peg with a big, strong, talented 2C. Uh, we could trade Gagne, Whitney, and Peckham for a number one left winger to play with R&H and Eberle. Uh, We could throw in Martindale and a pick if they want them. Or we could uh, sign one via UFA and not give up anyone. Uh, yeah, that could happen, right? I don't think so. Uh, We could sign a UFA top-pairing defender or trade for one to play with Petrie or Smead or Schultz. Uh, We could sign a number five defender as insurance in case Fadun doesn't pan out. Or we could get rid of other excess for uh, draft picks or for prospects. So uh, that was fun, right? And if no one wants Belanger slash he greatly improves his game over the last regular season games, I'd be okay with keeping him as 4C and leaving Lander down for another year. 2013 Lander can come up for 3C and Horkoff down to 4 if need be, or deadline deal Belanger next year. Have Lander step up then. Perhaps Van can step in too if need be. People in OKC seem to like him as a 4C guy, and he didn't look bad in his call-up last year.
0: Where does this leave next year's lines? Well, I'm glad you asked. So I'm going to represent to
1: you uh, three different options for lines. Um, there is the first one, which is um, I don't know, more of an I guess ideal situation in my head. Second one is if we get lucky and win the lottery, and uh, third one will be uh, what I think is the most doable. So for the first one, uh, first line uh, trade for a top left winger. Uh, then we got R N H at center and Eberly at right wing. Who win the lottery, Yakupov as left winger, and R N H and Eberly again. Or uh, the most doable option would just be Hall, r and I believe. All right. for the and for the second line uh, next year, ideal situation, um, we got Hall, left wing, Grigorenko, and Hemsky. If we get lucky win the lottery, uh, Hall, Gagne, and Hemsky, uh, which is pretty much what we have already this year. And uh, the ideal option would be uh, maybe Pejarvi, Grigorenko, and Hemsky. Um, for the third line, uh, ideally, Smith, Horkov, Omark. It's still got some offensive ability there and shutdown capabilities. Um, win the lottery, get Hardikainen, Horkov and Omark. That's uh, not as much defensive ability there, but more offensive ability. And then uh, the most plausible option would be Hardikainen, Gagne, and Omark. That's more of a three uh, third line scoring line there with some uh, some. Um, Toughness with Hartakainen. I don't think they're going to run three scoring lines, though. To be honest with you, even though I'd like them to. And then for the fourth line, uh, ideally, Hartakainen, Belanger, and Jones. Um, some offensive ability there, but also good checking and good toughness. Um, with the lottery, Smith, Belanger, and Jones has a pretty good fourth line there. Um, and the most doable option would be Smith, again, uh, Smith, Horkoff, and Jones instead of Smith, Belanger, and Jones. Hopefully we can get rid of Belanger. And then um, for the Healthy Scratches, uh, Patrell and Eager is pretty much what I would Healthy Scratch each time. They both might be worth keeping around, but not as regulars. Uh, for the D, um, pretty much all these lists, uh, the top D pairing will hopefully be an unrefricted reagent agent we get in the offseason with Petrie then a shutdown pairing of Smead and Schultz and then our uh, last pairing with Fedun and Sutton if he can if Fidun of course can uh, get rail or a uh, trade for an RFA or something like that instead of Fidun and then with our seventh guy uh, Potter since we already have him signed for two more years
0: under your best case scenario that the Oilers manage to sign a top six forward you have them rolling a full four lines
1: yeah, I mean the full four lines in the sense that all four lines could score if called upon. But of course, your bottom six wingers either have um, really good defensive awareness and two-way ability, or are um, you know really hard to play against. Big guys checker is going to wear your opposition down.
0: And you have some models with Ryan Smith on the fourth line and some with him on the third line. What's going to be uh, the factor? Is it going to be whether they need him or whether he's strong, or how's that going to play?
1: Well, they wore him down like crazy this year, playing uh, top and second-line minutes. And uh, at the beginning of the year, he did pretty well with them. And I can see them throwing him up there again in the top two lines, although I don't think they should. I think he excels more in a third-line role. Um, I think just if, um, you know, the guys, if they're going to roll three scoring lines next year, they don't need him in the top three. They can have a fourth line that can also score and, uh, you know, wear the opposition down, do all those things, and be good defensively. They don't have to throw out throw a fourth line. That's terrible like they do this year. Um, I don't think they'll do that because they're never going to throw Smith down to of the fourth line. But I think that, I mean, if you have a team where Smith is on your fourth line with Jones, who are both scoring uh, like 20 goals a year and good in the PK and defensively in Belanger, who can win face-offs, you know, 56% of the time, that's a fourth line that you can take to the playoffs, um, you know, maybe even deep into it. So, ideally, in my head, that's what I think they should do, but uh, it just might not happen.
0: AMK was born sometime between the Gretzky trade and the Oilers' last Stanley Cup. He's not much of a sports fan, but he's a huge Oilers fan and a dedicated writer. He probably won't bother watching any playoff games this year.